Okay, let's go right now to the phone line, and uh, we hope he can hear us. I'm I'm really having some problems here this morning with uh, kind of a distortion on my end, and we can't figure it out if it's equipment here at my place or whatever. But good morning to Dr. History. How are you? Good morning, Zeb. I'm doing great. You do sound a little far away for some reason. Yeah, I... I, I listening on the radio, you sounded fine. Yeah, the radio sounds good, but boy, we're having a lot of trouble with the headsets and the feed line and everything, but uh, it's good to have you on the program, Dr. History, or better known as Dr-History.com. And by the way, how many countries have we severed relationships with since we talked last time? 25 <laughs> different countries wow. are now well aware of Zeb Bell, Dr. History, and stories from the Old West. Oh, my goodness. 25,000 hits. How much money are we making? <laughs> uh, you know what? Your check is in the mail with mine. Yeah, we, yeah you know what? Uh, I'll, when I see you, I'll buy you a Coke. <laughs> okay. We may have to split the cost. <laughs> Or share the Coke, I don't know which. Well, now, tell me, um, you've always, every week, had some outstanding stories about the Old West and the old days, all the way from old gunfighters to mountain men to whatever. What are we going to talk about this week? Well, Zeb, I want to talk about a famous gunfight at the OK Corral. Oh, are you one but of those... I'm really not going to only uh, just kind of refer to the gunfight at the OK Corral and what might have happened that didn't happen, and you'll see what I'm talking about as we go along. Okay. Now, okay. Uh, are we going to talk about the principal parties like the Earp family and the Clanton family and everything? The Earp family. Okay. Uh, that's, in fact, that's primarily who we're going to be talking about. Okay, go ahead. Okay, now, as we get started here, I want to, first of all, uh, welcome our students who are listening in Peking University in Beijing, China, who are being taught English from Professor Jack Rose. Oh, my goodness. They are listening to our stories to learn proper English. Do you realize that we are about ready to warp some young minds? <laughs> well, this is what we call working English. Okay. And uh, as you and I talk, uh, hopefully it will help these students in Beijing to learn uh, somewhat of, I guess you would call it Western English, as you and I talk about these various stories. Absolutely. I'm just going to so let we you want go to ahead. The students of Peking University. Okay. All right. Here we go. One day, one incident, one fight, you know, can make a legend for a guy. Just being in the presence of history often is enough to make a person a historic figure in his own right. In other words, just being on hand. Now, on the other hand, not being in the right place at the right time, well, that just pretty much ruins it for whoever could have been or should have been or but wasn't. So this is the case of Warren Earp. Now, I'm going to almost bet that almost nobody has heard of Warren Earp. I didn't even know he was a brother. No. Well, he was the youngest of six brothers. Okay. Warren was born in Iowa in 1855. Now, his brothers, from oldest to youngest, were... Newton. Mm -hmm. Now, I, I'm going to bet nobody's heard of Newton because he was actually a half-brother 
uh, born to the first wife of Nicholas Earp, and nobody's ever heard of him. Well, wait a minute, they did because he had the nickname Fig. Fig, Fig, yes, that's true. Now, the ones that are famous, James, Virgil, Wyatt, and Morgan. Right. But again, I'm going to bet hardly anybody has heard of Warren, but that's who we're going to talk about today. Again, he was in the wrong place at the wrong time, and was, uh, and that'll come to, we'll see that as we go along here. Okay. Well, the family moved to Colton, California in 1863. Warren grew up there, and he watched his brothers leave one by one. As I mentioned, he was the youngest in the family, and saw these famous brothers just gradually uh, uh, leave home. Well, Warren remained in Colton, California, where his father was... Uh, at various times, both a judge and a saloon keeper, which was not unusual back in those days. Uh, Warren tended to tended bar in the saloon and listened to the stories that spread as his brothers grew more and more famous as frontier lawmen. And now uh, he must have been a little, you know, a little bit jealous. Uh, you can't help but think that. But you know, what young man wouldn't be? Uh, you know, if he was. Uh, uh, bombarded constantly by stories of the colorful, exciting adventures of his older brothers and the things that they were experiencing. Mm-hmm. Well, they'd even tamed the wild cow town of Dodge City, Kansas. So when Warren heard that James, Virgil, Wyatt, and Morgan had moved to the silver mining boom town of Tombstone, Arizona, uh, he finally decided, you know, it's time to head out. So he west- wasted no time getting there himself. And, you know, Think about this. The youngest brother, he thought, man, this is going to be exciting. Adventure is on the horizon. Mm-hmm. Well, Virgil, the most solid and dependable of the badge-toting brothers, he gave Warren not only a place to stay, but a job as well. Now, a veteran lawman by this time, Virgil was working as both a deputy U.S. marshal and Tombstone's chief of police. Okay. Now, Warren had a room in Virgil's house, and he worked for him as a jailer, and Sometimes he was also allowed to ride with the posses that Virgil raised whenever some crime was committed and there were lawbreakers out on the run. So he got to join a posse a few times. Now, some of these lawbreakers were wrestlers from the infamous or famous what we call the cowboy faction. Now, that's the ones that became the mortal enemies of the Earps and their friends, including Doc Holliday. And during one early clash with the Cowboys, Warren was a member of the posse, and he got shot in the leg. Mm-hmm. Well, the wound was serious enough to send him back to Colton, California, to recuperate at the family home. Now, the gun battle in which Warren was injured took place in July of 1881. Then in October of 1881, this is when things got bad between the Earps and the Cowboys. This is when things exploded into... What is probably the most famous gunfight in the history of the Old West, and, of course, that's the gunfight at the O.K. Corral. Right. Now, there's been a lot of things written. A lot of volumes have been written about this shootout, but uh, if they mention Warren Earp, they do so only in passing for a simple reason. He wasn't there. Oh, really? (laughs) He was sitting in California recovering from his wound while Wyatt, Virgil, Morgan, and Doc Holliday were shooting it out with the Clantons and the McClurys. Mm Mm-hmm. So poor Warren, he missed out. Uh, so it's impossible to know whether or not Warren would have taken part in the gunfight if he had been in Tombstone. Now, it seems probable that he would have, more than likely, considering that he had ridden in posses with his brothers and on previous occasions, and he was regarded as a fierce fighter uh, even at this young stage of his life. 
Well, Warren Earp did not return to Tombstone until early in 1882, and he came back then because his brother Virgil had been ambushed and seriously wounded while walking across the street. Now, the blame for the shooting was laid on several of these cowboys that I mentioned, and the motive was clear. They wanted revenge for the death of their friends that had died in the Battle of the O.K. Corral. Right. So, anyway, the most serious wound uh, cost Virgil the use of his left arm. Now, Warren stayed with Virgil and his wife, Allie, to help out with caring for his brother, and also it seemed inevitable that more violence would occur, and Warren pretty much now recovered from his wound. He had only a slight limp to show for it. He wanted to be on hand in case there was more trouble. Well, obviously the cowboys were not through, and in March of 1882, while Wyatt and Morgan were playing pool in a billiard parlor, gunmen opened fire through the glass in the rear door, one of the shots passed through Morgan's body, mortally wounding him. <clears throat> uh, Dr. History has disappeared. Okay, are we back? Yeah, I didn't leave, but okay. evidently you did. Uh, a little problem with my phone here. <laughs> okay, go ahead. All right, here we go. So, as I mentioned, uh, Wyatt and Morgan were playing pool, and the gunman opened fire through the glass of the rear door. Right. One of the shots passed through Morgan's body, mortally wounding him. Well, the assassins fled into the night, leaving Wyatt and his friends to carry Morgan's bloody body into another room of the billiard parlor. Warren rushed to the place when he heard that Morgan had been shot and arrived before his brother died, but there was nothing anyone could do to help, and after lingering for less than an hour, Morgan died. Now, Morgan's murder started Wyatt, Warren, Doc Holliday, and several of their friends on a vendetta that would come to be known as the Arizona War. Mm-hmm. Now, Warren, as I mentioned, he was kind of a tough character. He was known as the Tiger because of the ferocious way he threw himself into a fight and was on hand when enemies tried to ambush the train that was carrying Morgan's body back to California, along with Virgil and Allie. Well, Wyatt killed a guy by the name of Frank Stillwell in this clash. Now, Stillwell and other members of the Cowboy faction were about to open fire on the railroad car, so really he was just defending himself. So here we have Wyatt and Warren. They were the only herbs still capable of fighting, but they had the assistance of good old Doc Holliday, one of their good buddies, mm-hmm. and several other pretty gun-handy companions as they set out to track down the rest of the men responsible for killing Morgan. Now, the herbs were now fugitives from law because they had served in the past you know, as lawmen, but arrest warrants were issued for them, charging them with the killing of this Frank Stillwell. Right. Even though... Really, it was, it was kind of a self-defense thing. Now, over the next few days, three members of the Cowboys died at the hands of the Earps and their friends. Well, in the eyes of many, Wyatt and Warren had crossed the line into being outlaws, and even some of those who had supported them in the past decided they had to be brought in. Well, a large party of lawmen started out on their trail. Now, the Earps still had friends, though, and when word reached them of the posse that had been sent out to apprehend them, Wyatt and Warren realized that, like it or not, their vendetta against the Cowboys was pretty much over. So the group decided to split up with Wyatt, Warren, and Doc Holliday heading for Colorado. And basically, in the long run, none of them would ever be brought to trial for their actions. So, in fact, most authorities really admitted that the Earps' vengeance had been justified. Mm -hmm. Well, Wyatt and Warren decided to go back to California, and that was the closest thing they had to home. And Doc Holliday, he opted to stay behind in Colorado, and one of these days we'll do a story on Doc Holliday. Okay. But uh, Wyatt never stayed in one place very long. He packed up and left California. 
Uh, now Morgan was dead, Virgil was near crippled, Wyatt was gone off to the Yukon, and Warren's career as a peace officer had ended with him being an outlaw. So, again, nothing had quite worked out the way this youngest brother had expected. Well, finding it difficult to hold a job, Warren retreated into a life of drinking, gambling, and fighting, and spent most of his time in various saloons. And Now, Virgil, despite his almost useless left arm, was elected sheriff or marshal of Colton, California. Mm-hmm. And he kind of prevailed upon Warren to settle down. I mean, he was the big brother and told Warren, you know, you need to settle down. Um, but Warren still tended to spend a lot of time in saloons. And he was arrested for stabbing a man during a fight, and Warren was found not guilty when tried, but uh, he figured he'd kind of worn out his welcome in California. So he left Colton, California, and headed for Arizona Territory. Okay, by now, we're in 1894. Warren was in the town of Wilcox, where he was hired as a range detective by a local rancher. Okay. And he was supposed to track down rustlers and fence cutters and things like that. But... Uh, so, like I said, he tended to get in trouble. He quarreled with a local cowhand by the name of Johnny Boyette. Now, keep that name in mind. We're going to talk about him for a minute here. One challenged Boyette to a gunfight, but the cowboy declined. I mean, the herb still had a reputation. Mm-hmm. Well, two days later, Warren and Boyette ran into each other again. Well, Warren said, go get your gun, and immediately told the cowboy, who was unarmed, he said, we'll fight it out. Well, Boyette insisted that he didn't want any trouble, so Boyette finally kind of stalked out of the place, and Warren left a few minutes later and went into an adjoining restaurant. Okay, here's where it gets a little exciting. A few minutes later, Boyette returned to the saloon carrying not one pistol, but two. Hmm. So, not a good thing. Now, Warren had finally goaded Boyette to the point where the cowboy was willing to fight, uh, as I mentioned, even though his opponent would be one of the most famous, or one of the famous Earp brothers. Well, Warren stepped into the doorway. Boyette saw him, jerked up both guns, and shot from each. Well, he must have been a little nervous because both slugs missed. Well, Boyette charged after Warren. His guns went off again, maybe by accident. Both went into the floor. So he shot four shots and missed uh, all four times. Now, moving quickly, Warren left the restaurant by the front door and circled back around at the saloon's side entrance up behind Boyette. Well, Boyette whirled around to face him. And while he had been the one to challenge Boyette to a gunfight, Warren actually was unarmed. He didn't even have a gun. Uh-oh. <laughs> Not a good thing when you challenge somebody. No, stupid. So with his coat and vest open to show that he wasn't carrying a gun, he walked slowly towards Boyette, hoping to either calm him down or, or to get close enough to wrestle him to the ground and take away his guns. We really don't know. Well, whatever Warren had in mind, it didn't work. Boyette fired one more shot, striking Warren in the heart. Oh, my goodness. So Boyette was never indicted for the killing of Warren Earp. Now, kind of an interesting thing, though. Boyette disappeared soon after the incident. Oh, really? Now, rumors circulated that Wyatt and Virgil, you know, seeing their youngest brother killed by this guy, but there's no proof. But Mm -hmm. Boyette disappeared, and knowing Wyatt and Virgil... They may have just taken care of him. You know, this is really an interesting twist to the story because it, it solidifies so many things about the Old West. Number one, they were really rotten shots. 
right. <laughs> Number two, Hollywood took a bunch of facts from various uh, times and places in the Old West, and they compiled the movie of Wyatt Earp. And the one scene in the movie that you were talking about where Morgan uh, was shot, I think they were in a pool hall, you said? Yeah. All right, now that all supposedly in the movie of Wyatt Earp took place before the fight at the OK Corral. Well, you know, we mentioned before, uh, Hollywood has uh, romanticized and changed, and uh, for me, a good, good movie is one that's accurate yeah. to uh, the dress, the style, the facts, uh, the type of saddles they had, the, the clothes they wore. Those are the kind of shows that uh, that I enjoy watching. Oh, I agree with you. And then there was another aspect that you were talking about with the uh, cowboys wearing the red scarves. I remember that from the movie. Uh, Kevin Costner starred in that version of Wyatt Earp, and I can't remember what they called themselves. Uh, they all wore those red bandanas tied around their belt like a sash or whatever, and I can't remember what they called that gang. Yeah, I'm not. I, that, I'm not sure about that. But, you know, again, you think about Warren Earp all his life. Yeah. Warren Earp lived in the shadow of his famous older brothers. Yeah. And if not for the leg wound that sent him home to California to recuperate, in all probability, he would have walked down the streets of Tombstone on that famous day, along with Wyatt, Virgil, Morgan, and Doc. He shared all the dangers with them before and after the gunfight at the OK Corral. But by missing that one event, he pretty much became an afterthought or a a footnote to those who chronicled uh, that uh, bloody battle at at Tombstone. Yeah, and one other thing, too, and you've said this on previous programs, and I've followed up on this, too. uh, Through all the supposed gun battles that Wyatt Earp went through in his history as a lawman and a not-so-lawful man, he was never shot or even nicked. Yeah, um, it's amazing, again, and we've talked about various uh, outlaws, various uh, law people, sheriffs, marshals, yeah. that really did a lot more for the Old West than did uh, the Earps and, and some of these other guys, Jesse James. Uh, they were more famous, more wanted in more parts of the country, uh, or followed uh, their... Uh, followed outlaws for days or months to, to track down their man but nobody's ever heard of some of these guys and that's why I try to bring out some of those stories of people and, I, and again I'm going to bet that hardly anybody has ever heard of Warren Earp uh, let alone Newton well yeah and then uh, nobody's ever heard of the poorest shot in the wet the west Johnny Boyette well he must have been a poor shot and he must not have been very careful uh, of course you know, if you've got a couple of the Earp brothers after you, I have a feeling it doesn't matter where you went to hide. I don't think you could stay hidden. Uh, so I think Boyette met his end uh, on a lonely trail somewhere or perhaps sleeping in a hotel room or Uh-oh. something. He... Uh, but uh, he was no longer heard of. You know, one of the stories we ought to do in the future, and we're almost out of time here, but I was kidding about how poor a shots they were in general. And the best shots in the Old West, according to everything I've read, were the gamblers. They were pretty doggone good with a gun. Yes. Um, and uh, I, I, have, I did a story a few uh, a year or two ago about a particular sharpshooter yeah. who... Uh, uh, and I explained the technique that he used for 
being a deadly shot. Mm-hmm. And it's different than from what you see on TV. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, that was interesting because when you said Warren Earp, I'm sitting there going, Warren Earp? I've never heard of a Warren Earp before, for heaven's sakes. Well, yeah, one of the Earp brothers that, uh, you know, again, was just a footnote in history and... uh, uh, you know, maybe not even hardly a footnote. Poor old Warren. It was hard enough having the last name Earp. I mean, that doesn't strike fear in people's hearts when you say I'm an Earp. <laughs> well, you know, when you say something like Butch Cassidy or Judge yeah. James or the Sundance Kid, <laughs> right, uh, right. You know, those kind of put can put a little fear into your heart. But Earp. Yeah, yeah. you go up to somebody and say, "What's your name, Earp?" And they go, "Oh, excuse you." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I got to run, but that was a good story, and we ought to do a little tribute to, uh, once again, the poorest shot in the West, Johnny Boyad. Doggone, think where he would be today if he wouldn't have uh, shot so many times and missed. And missed, that's right. There you go. Doctor History, better known now, and uh, Peking University has listened to this rodeo, or this rodeo, this radio program, and uh, now they know all about the Earp Brothers, they know all about the OK Corral, and they know all about uh, if you're going to pick up an old Colt 45, you better learn how to shoot it. That son of a gun. Those guns really kick. That's why they didn't hit a lot of things. Well, I guess, you know, and you talk about buck fever. I think he had herb fever. And, you know, really, they didn't get that far away. Anytime they were in a shootout or something, they were literally not more than sometimes six or seven feet away from each other. Yeah. And they still well, missed. And, you know, to his credit, uh, the fifth shot he shot did its job. Well, sooner or later, the law of averages is going to get something. <laughs> Especially if it hits the guy in the heart. <laughs> there you go. Uh, Dr-History.com, better known as uh, Dr. Ken Turner. Thank you. Excellent program this morning. Appreciate it. All that. right. You have a good day, Zeb. God bless you, man. Thanks. Uh-huh. Bye. Warren Earp. Oh, they'll never make a TV show about him. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.